0: Welcome back to Avessa Origins. We have got an amazing episode today. We are joined by the man the myth the legend that is Jake Messer. Jake created the t-shirt of the first full season Disco Only as well as another brand that we love called acid love not only has he done that he's also created a site for amazing independent clothing which is called unique and the collection that almost every footballer and youtuber that we've (laughs) seen in the entire world is wearing this summer which is called bound we talked about how to start two clothing businesses from scratch um how jake managed to collab with his like dream collaborator which was from the arctic monkeys and then also how this sort of crazy story that he's got with scream which you loved as a scream fan so Absolutely. we'll get right into that so without further ado let's get into the show.
1: But we know who you are well we think we do anyway but yeah who are you Jake and like, how did the uh the person the entrepreneur that sits in front of us right now how did he come to be so yeah just tell us about your repertoire.
2: You can't always know too much because it has to keep you a little bit interested. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly. It's a difficult one really. I think like I think it was always in me to like run a business and to do this kind of thing, I think like I always said to like some pals, I was like as soon as I had an idea, I'd go for it like one hundred percent. And that was always like in my mind, and I was always like a kid washing cars down the street for a quid. Do you know what I mean? Like that that kind of cliche story that you hear from a lot of business owners like was kind of me too. I was always doing like little hustles, buying and selling bits, and always had like interests in that like footballer signatures or whatever do you know what I mean it was there was always something there like at the service from a younger age and then um with so like when I went to school that like, was pretty crap in school that like, real bad focus like sort of ADHD sort of type thing and just couldn't sit and concentrate at all it was like pretty gobby to the teachers but like in quite a witty way that like actually I kind of see it in business now a little bit where I could be like where I could kind of, like, almost be cleverer than them and, like, win it rounds to, like, to find a little, cap, find a little like, caveat corner where they couldn't actually have a go at me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then I went to went to uni and did business management, but that was in leisure. So it was more like I was very – I was more sporty back then. So I always thought that I was going to do something, like, business-wise in sport for some reason just because that was more how I went. And I was always mad into music as well, but – never like creative. So didn't have like a creative bone in my body. Um, was like pretty good at sports, but yeah, couldn't draw, couldn't, didn't, couldn't play an instrument. Like as soon as I picked up an instrument, I've got like a bass guitar when I was 12, 13 and just like played it three times. and was like, oh, I couldn't do it because I just, if I wasn't good at something quickly, I was just like, nah, just, just <laughs> kind of sacked it off. So went yeah, went to union business management and leisure and then got a grad job uh, Virgin, um, in Peterborough, which was like, and that was in operations. So that was like very behind the scenes. It was like operations of a fault center for business customers. So it's like <laughs> Thomas cooks, even has gone down, like, how can we sort of like, what the, and it was, I was just, it, it was, yeah, as a company, it was so corporate and great at all these values and stuff. Like that. And they did as a company like that they always do look after your staff and stuff like that, but I knew within, I actually knew when I walked through the door, and I went to have a look at the offices, like when I was going to look at the flats that I was going to rent there, I was like, this ain't, this not right. Like, this I knew this one for me. And I, I knew before anyway, but my parents were like quite strict on, like not strict on it, but were like quite reinforcing to being like, this is a really big company. This is a great opportunity. Like you've got to do it, which is, I could understand exactly why they were doing that. Like my brother's stupidly academic, like super, super clever. He was at Deloitte. So like one of the big accountancy firms and was like, For me, they were a bit like, I think it was not surprised that I was offered that, but they were like, this is a great opportunity for probably how lack of academic I actually was. Um, And then I remember doing it for a month and was like, that was not good. And then my missus of like five years broke up with me. So then I was like super depressed. I was in this flat in Peterborough, living with some weirdos, like the worst people, like mix of people in the world it was crazy um super super depressed phoning my mum like every other night like crying like i can't do this like i can't do this job and she was like stick it out so I'd like that was about three months in i was like literally and she was like well stick it out for six months so it doesn't look so bad in your cv which is probably another thing that's like i was like what the hell did i listen to that like what the hell did it I left it three months or six months. I just put myself through three more months of torture. But like they're trying to just, it's, you know what it was like when you'd like trying to get the perfect CVs and you're taught to like, as an old, as an older age, like that was important then. And like 10 years ago, CVs were kind of everything like before social media and people could be savvy with tech and all that kind of stuff. And people were more, probably more creative in certain ways. Um, so I was like, after getting dumped, I was like, it's right, the final straw. I went to London, I remember going to London and walking around Spitalfields Market and seeing like all the independent like r- like clothes shops just selling little like t-shirts off the rails, you know what I mean? I was like, no one really does this like online, like no one's sort of bringing this kind of thing together like you know a couple of designers like maybe something there, so like in the last two months at Virgin, once I was out, knew because I knew I was like six months, I was quitting, I was like I wrote the business plan for Unique and was like, and then Virgin offered me a move to London in the marketing department in Hammersmith, which I actually probably would have ended up loving um, because it was a brand new office. It was in marketing, it's Virgin, like doing all the shit with Usain Bolt, like Virgin Media was like doing really good things. And in terms of like TV advertising stuff, I was like, it would have been really good. There was like 20K in Hammersmith. I'd have been living in the shoebox, like eating, Dry noodles and I was just like and London's just never sorry, but like if <laughs> you guys live in London. We do, but slag it off. Slag it off. London's just for me, it's just never done it for me. I've just never been engrossed in like I'm really spontaneous and I just like being able to walk everywhere and like like meet a mate in two minutes. Like I'm very, very spontaneous. In London, you've got to be pretty like organised and planned and like relentless. And I just it's just never just one of them things that just never places it just never Never, ne- like, never just appealed to me. I love going now and like visiting and seeing all of it. Like I appreciate it loads more now as like restaurants and, and, and shopping and, and just like the place. But yeah, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this thing and uh, and go back uh, and like give it a crap. So like I've got this idea. So I wrote the business plan, got the two, two designers on board who have th- Well, yeah, both from Shrewsbury. So Jack who does Vice84 now, which is still going, still work with him. He's from Telford. So just... Outskirts, outskirts and Josh was one of the designers who I went to um, secondary school with. Who I was like best mates with at secondary school, so it was like two lads that were already there. So it's like they could design the brands, like I'll basically form unique, which is the outlet that is now like the brand collective, if you like. Um, and yeah, just gave it a go. I got like a startup loan, you know, like they were doing them young entrepreneur startup loan things with James Carr, I think. So I got like a two and a half k startup loan and like. A desk in a really weird business center in Telford. I don't know if you've ever been to Telford, but no. there's not much good happening there. <laughs> I was in this weird little business hub, and people were, I can't even remember what some of the businesses were there, but yeah, that was an interesting, interesting moment because so I was like, I just didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I've got to go in and sit and show my face and pretend, almost like pretend I was like finding things to work on. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like, the journey from me doing it. So, I guess that like the headline with that is Guy gets heartbroken and starts a business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always the breakups that push people to do that? I had nothing to lose. Look, like, my parents were so
2: supportive and lovely and like moved back home and for free and didn't pay any rent and food paid for. So, without that, like for a year, I would have been screwed. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been possible. So, that was like obviously a really lucky. Privilege, like thing that i had to be able to just go and live rent free for a year and just give it a go and 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 sort of see why not um so yeah that was that's kind of like the the basis backstory
0: what did you do with two and a half grand because i think most people when they're thinking about like starting a business they would go two and a half grand's not going to get me anywhere (laughs) like how how did you like because like unique is like a massive business now like so how did how did you go from two and a half grand into into yeah well (gasps)
2: It's mad, really. Now it, you're right. Like, one we'll drop two and a half grand on one T-shirt, like restock. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's it's two and a half grand now does get you nowhere. But like back then, you could be really savvy at like, no, I know a photographer that I can get to shoot stuff and sling him a couple of tees. Like I use Big Cartel, which was free for up to whatever ten products or whatever. Like now I pay nine ninety a month, nine ninety nine a month to get the domain. The domain on GoDaddy was like for unique was like three ninety nine a year. Wow. So I locked that in dead early. Like domains are crazy expensive now. So like actually the base of like starting it wasn't too expensive and then right. So I think I did nine styles to start of twenty five pieces. So that was like yeah, that was, like, all the names. Some little business cards. Everyone gets little business business cards. That probably gave out, like, two <laughs> in my entire life. Uh, everyone gets some business cards and some little novelty, like, printed stamps or whatever. So, yeah, that was it. And then, so there's no, like, rental costs, storage costs. Like, it was literally just the basis of the product. And I'd buy, like, 20 paper mailing bags from um, from eBay. And then mm-hmm. I lived around the corner from the from the post office. So, actually, it was, like it was a proper easy to start bedroom business that like now don't even know I'd be like ask the same question how could you start with two and a half grand but strangely 10 years ago it seemed feasible and easy
0: yeah. which
2: is mental. Wow.
0: And who were the first like customers because again like what a lot of people would be scared about when they're starting a business is like, how am I actually going to get people through the door like how did you actually like who were the first customers to the brand were they just all your mates? I was a major
2: optimist I remember when you have to send a the business plan off to the to people who are going to give you that two and a half k loan they like review it and just make sure that it's not a pile of shite basically <laughs> uh and i remember sending it off and they were like these sale figures aren't realistic i think i was like predicted to sell like 200 units a month or something or 200 orders a month 300 <laughs> orders a month and they were like do you think you'll do that i was like yeah piss easy <laughs> um this was i'm everly optimistic about everything i think which is kind of good but then kind of like ah shit you underestimate i underestimate every job or like every every sort of task really um when it comes down to it but nah it was a lot like so i threw like a little launch party in in my house and like had a little order sheet on the front and then i had all the garments like hung up behind me and we had like little makeshift dj decks and that very little DJs. Um, so they, like, I think they sold, like, they bought, like, five, 600 quids worth on the first night, which was, like, nice. pretty pretty decent. So I was pretty happy. That was just organic cash. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it was just, like, mates, 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 mates. And then you start to make those sales of people you don't know. But, like, for me, it was lovely to make, when you're making sales to mates of mates. Because they're not just buying it. They're, they're seeing, they, it must have been all right for them to... See, it's tough to tell you now, like stuff. Oh god, it was so bad. It was so bad, not quality wise, but uh, a brand can look so good from launch now because they're so like. I had nothing to go off really. I had no one, no, I had no benchmarks. Like ASOS, Urban Outfitters were like the benchmarks, but like their content was shit. Then, so <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty surreal. But the first, it's actually a funnier part of like the starting is. So before the online launch in, in the February 2014 it is, um, yeah, before the online launch, I was like, I went and did a pop-up in Camden. So put all the garments in a suitcase, got the train down, was what I'm drug with. got to put it, so dragged a mate with me, the um, way she so dragged all the pop-ups. I was like, yeah, I did a pop-up in a shop in Camden. It was like fashion meets music. So I was like, this is perfect. Sat in a shop the first day, one person walked in this Ooh. shop. So I was sold this like thing where I'd sat up and I was like, oh my god. So I was like, the next day, I was like, I can't do that again. So then, no, so then in the afternoon, I remember putting stuff actually on ha- on a table on Camden High Street. I think one guy who knew it came and bought two t shirts. Then the next day, I was like, I can't do this again. Paid for like 150 quid stall at Camden Market and sold like. Three or four pieces, and was like, at least I've sold something. And then a coffee, a coffee blew over in the wind <laughs> and spilled on like 10 t shirts. Oh, so yeah. I, was like, I was like, negative down from that day, and then drove. And I remember driving, I remember getting the train back from London and sitting on the train thinking, like, already two days in before the online launch, I was like, fucking hell, this is worth it? Because I went there thinking I was going to sell out everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was going to sell out everything in Camden. How cool is that going to be? Yeah, sold, like, five things and ruined ten T-shirts. So I was <laughs> like, shit, should I really do this online launch now? I'll just give up now. And then did, I did the online launch. and did, like, 20, 25 orders or something. I was like, yeah, it's all right. Let's go from there. Was,
0: um Was like fashion always something that you were really passionate about or was it just like when you say you were just walking through spitful's market and you came across this idea was it literally like was it almost like that sort of like there was a eureka moment where you were like this is what i want to do or was it always something that you were like you always loved fashion throughout your childhood that sort of thing yeah
2: i think like i think i always loved it i was always big into brands like i always loved lacoste and fred perry um And like those kind of brands, I just I'd like really into indie music from 12 onwards. So like dressed in a lot of sort of like indie brands and the Fly 53 and Bench and, um, Geo Joy, like band brands like that back in the day that were just like all the indie bands would wear basically. So I was like, I was always, yeah, Lacoste was always the one I loved. Lacoste, like just always loved Lacoste. So I was like, Lacoste has always been pretty cool. So like. I was like, look back at some photos when I'm in fall the cost traction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Legend, um,
2: there. yeah, and then obviously went like heavily into sort of like the top man, sort of sort of skinny jeans, and but always was very conscious about like kind of like what I was wearing. And then I remember the f- first like time getting into independent brands. And it was like there's a place called Affix Palace in Manchester, um, and they had a little shop in there. Uh, I can't remember, it was, called Medic Matty. And they were selling like a few little independent brands. you sold XCVB from Sheffield. I remember buying one of their tees and was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. No one's, cause it was like, no one's got this tee. And it was before it was like fully online. So I was like, I quite liked the idea subconsciously of the fact that no one else had these t-shirts. It was like quite a different, like oversized sort of fit. So i was like, yes, it's quite cool. So I've always been like, into fashion. I wouldn't ever have predicted it was where I was going to go career-wise, like 100% no way was like I it's where I saw it, where I saw myself ended up for sure.
1: Unique is uh, made up of like a number of different brands, isn't it? So like, te- or like, tell us how they come to be. Like, do they just pop into existence when you have a great idea or a designer comes about? Yeah, talk to us about the collective. of. Yeah, it's, it's, a little
2: bit of, it's a little bit of both really, like, Like I said, the two designers that I launched it with at the start were sort of, they were already on my plate, they were already on my radar, like they were there in front of me. So it made full sense to do it with them. And then what I loved about those two is that they had completely different styles. So like Josh was very sort of like neat and smooth and sort of had that, like in the time that like Jack Wills and Hollister was really popular, had that kind of like really nice emblem sort of like smooth graphics. And then Jack is just like unbelievable best designer I have ever, I have worked with best I ever will work with I think he's just shit hot at everything he does <laughs> he's done Vice which has just been unbelievable from the moment it hit the store it's been exactly the same it's not changed in ten years and that's like retro eighties sort of like sport streetwear um, and then after that I started to sort of like have a look. On Instagram or like Behance was a, is a website Behance where people upload their profiles and whatever, whatever. And then actually went into a couple of like colleges and stuff like that and was like, this is the project like in like to, like the graphic design students, but they weren't quite to that like ready for that kind of thing yet. So it was really hard at the start to find designers like really really hard. It took so much hard work and perseverance, and then. It's hard because I was like trying really out there things. It wasn't like uni it didn't have its proper identity yet as like a whole brand. So it was hard to try and find the ones below it and give them their identity. So, yeah, it was it, it was really difficult. And then now it's obviously a lot easier because I kind of like I have the eye for it. I can spot exactly what I need and what what we sort of like want and then if a designer's got something sort of original or it's sort of very similar to what a load of other pool designers do or it's like a copy. So, yeah, it becomes becomes quite a bit of a difficult thing now because there's so many really good designers. You've got to, like, try and find one that's got a niche and is suited to the brand. But, yeah, every brand basically has, like, for me, every designer that I try to work with has to be sort of, like, young and freelance – well, young, not, like – You know what I mean? Sort of like not a a corporate agency or like a big agency. They've got to be like a freelance independent creative to then give them the opportunity because they're like working for so many different other things. Like Jack does all the stuff for a YouTuber called Jay Swingler and TGIF is it? Um, He does their childish. He does all their childish work and absolutely smashes it. So he's got like, they've all got their own other projects going on, but this is like their little side projects. I'm like, well, I've got all these expertise in, Doing the brand and the marketing and the production, you just design. Send me a PDF of the designs, and I'll do the rest. Um, so it's lit, it's almost like a little collaboration. It's like it's like your cordial and your water. Do you know what I mean? You mix them together, and you've got your full sort of thing, um, which is kind of perfect. Because i know like, because I can obviously see the trends of like what colorways are doing well, and what so they can just send me like a base design. I'm like, right, that's going to work really well on this. So. Yeah, it's a lovely combination and it, like, you can see it from the absolute diverse variety that we've got across the brands. Um, and I've loved working with every single one of them, like, really, really interesting, like, they're all so different. Um, as creatives, like, create, they're, yeah, they're, <laughs> creatives can be really hard work, but like, so you, they require a certain type of like, everyone's different. They never hit deadlines is the one consistent thing, basically. <laughs> it does.
0: When you're talking to the designers, are they purely doing graphics or are they looking at fit? Are they looking at like, materials? Like, do you do, you do bits of... Nah,
2: nah, some of them definitely give a damn about that. Like, some of them give a shit about the the fits and the graphics and, and how... Uh, uh, fit, sorry, the fits and like the fabrics, because... We worked with one of the girls, Marnie, who did one of the um, disco only designs in the like one of the multi concepts we did. And she was like bang into organic cotton. So, like, it was important, like, bang into sustainability. So, it was important we used an organic tea for her design because she kind of wanted us to. So, I'm happy to have that like flexibility um, to suit the designer. Like, at the end of the day, like, we've got to make a product that they're proud of, and I will never just be like, go away from that and and make something that they wouldn't want to kind of do. So it's quite a nice mutual respect there that like I'll always give that kind of option of like what kind of t-shirt we want to use and stuff like that. So, yeah.
0: Would you say that Disco Only was one of the first brands that like went absolutely like insane? Because like for me, right, like, Whenever I go on my Instagram right now, I'm seeing a disco-only tea. Whenever I'm going out to a pub, I'm seeing a disco-only tea. Whenever I go to a gig, I'm seeing a tea. Like, it's just everywhere. Like, first of all, how the hell have you kept up with the demand? That's the first question I have.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, disco-only is like a fucking amazing thing of just pure organic... It's a pure organic beast, which is so good because it's not like it's not been manufactured to, to like to be a fad or to do what it's done. Like it wasn't purposely manufactured to be like, basically I was at Warehouse Project, like we were made a bit pissed or whatever. <laughs> and he, I, someone played, I can't remember which DJ it was, but it was like, I think Scream was in Scream Like, Anyway, whoever it was playing and it was played like played a disco tune. And I turned around to him and just went, I only listen to disco only. Or I went to, I said, I only, I listened to disco only now (laughs) and said that. And I went, it was like a penny clock moment there whilst I was a bit fucked and then wrote the note in my phone, I think, which is like once again quite a cliche thing to do. (laughs) Um, but wrote the note note in my phone and then I think, yeah, literally the Monday after the Saturday went in, spoke to one of the designers and went, just drew it on a piece of paper, which is what I sometimes do. Because like some, some of the brands that we've got in the store, like my concept where I'll do the brief and then push it to the designer and go, here's the brief. Like, can you make this for me? So disco only was one of them where it was my idea, like my birthright, if you like. So yeah, wrote disco only, like initially was just like the outline thingy with a little script font below. And then we released that, um, in, in one color, just a white tee with like the purple thingy, and I was like, did pretty well. I was like, yeah, nice, not bad that. And then released it in the black colorway because people kept asking it for the black. so I was like, which is what you do then. You make the money off the one t-shirt and go, oh, well, made a little bit of money on this t-shirt. I'll bring in the next one. Like it was that was how it used to work. It used to go from like product to product, build money on one product, send it to the next. Did the black one. I was like, yeah, she's done pretty well. Annie mack wore it, which was sick for a photo shoot as well. And I was like. Yeah, this is, this is picking up now. And then that was like the first the, the first ever version, Dead Basic, just disco only. That was 20, oh God, 2019, maybe. Um, yeah, probably 2018, actually. 2018, that first one would have been. And then I was like, right, there's, there's something here with this concept. It's not just, because initially it was just going to be that one T-shirt. Like, that was all it was going to be, just one T-shirt, disco only. And it was the first, like, proper concept i'd done where it was just like because it's it's a brand but it's become a brand but at the point it wasn't it was just a little concept it was a little it was almost like a slogan tea if you like um and then i was like well i got a designer that i loved because i was like right the designer that i loved for ages called mr foma and he was brilliant like when i was first starting i was like he was like so so good um and so I was like, I'd love to work with him. So he did me like a little simple vinyl, the first little vinyl straight after that, released some of them that went down really well. And then it just sort of like kept going. And I was like, then but every different design has been done by like different designers. And then like the guy who does the, who's done the, who's done the play it twice one like he's based over in America. I can't remember where I always want to say Oklahoma, but I don't think it is but, like he's based in America. So like, I think like, so far now on the disco only concept I think like 10 design different designers have worked on it which is so cool because I'll send them a brief and be like this is how I want this one to look so like the everybody dance one I was like I want to do one around everybody dance like one of my favourite disco tunes or whatever like it's got a bit of like heritage for me so I was like let's do something around that and then if it's nice play it twice with like a common phrase like that you hear at raves all the time um, like back 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 early days a lot like From dubstep and sort of stuff like that when people used to like wheel up um so like that was always kind of there and then i was like playing a little bit more with like not just having disco only but like having another slogan to it that makes sense to it um and now it's just gone yeah it's just gone fucking crazy like there's not a single time i can go and literally this morning on my drive to work i stopped at the traffic lights and a girl walked across the road with a (laughs) disability t-shirt going to (laughs) work That and I got to work. I was like, "Fucking up!" And I was at the Arctic Monkeys on Saturday, and it literally stood on like we had a little podium stand. bit, stood on this little st- stood in the crowd, looked in front of me straight away. Disco t-shirt in front of me, an Arctic Monkeys gig. <laughs> Five minutes later, he was in the black one. Five minutes later, someone walked in front of him wearing the white one. <laughs> and then I go to the bar, come back, and there's someone on the like the viewing podium. In the in the in the one in front of me, and I've got like I had like a funny Instagram series that was like I was like, "Oh for fuck's sake!" Looking at the first one, and I was like, oh, "You can't write this for the second guy." And then I was like, when the third guy came in, I videoed that. I was like, "Right, looks, <laughs> it looks staged. <laughs> staged. It was ridiculous, but like, yeah, that T-shirt is just like I don't, I, it, it's crazy what it's done. And, but like, opening up my Facebook Messenger in the morning i've been sent a message at four in the morning like three lads who've never met on a dance floor arms around each other was like we all fucking love the t-shirt like we just spent the whole night together like talking about it and like having a mint time and i was like how good of a f- like how good of a feeling is that there's no like monetary value that you can put on that like people have just bonded over a t-shirt like and had a mint night like it's fucking wicked it's, it's so good
1: never gets old i bet seeing that and it'll probably never get old till you die yeah. like, just seeing
0: it yeah. out in the wild
2: yeah, yeah. i mean i am sick i am sick of seeing that <laughs> no, it must yeah. be the
0: same do you do you I get that like giddy feeling every time you see your own design like out in the world or or is it like as you as you get older and you've done it a million times you're just like yeah it, it, that that's it yeah like it's
2: what i was just kind of saying about like the two guys the three guys that like that's happened so many times where people spent but i remember going to hideout festival maybe a year after i started it and bumped into two lads in the crowd wearing t-shirts and then i spent all night with them like in, in a night in hideout just chatting to them like buying beers and whatever and boogieing and that and that was that was mint because that was like because i was like so appreciative and so just like blown away that like that was it and i did like for ages, I would always used to go up to people and be like, and still now, like, it it's like a natural conversation. i like, ah, oh, like, I, that's my brand, like, a nice one for supporting it. Like, and I'll, I'll, like, a lot of people, if I'm meeting it, i would be like, here's my personal discount code, like, here's my friends and family discount code, like, use that whenever you want. Cause it's like, it's nice to have a little bit of engagement, but yeah, sometimes it's like, if it's like, festival, I guess it's, silly. <laughs> yeah, it's <a> <laughs> It still feels, not in a bad way, like it feels mint and like my mates must be, my mates always like to me, they're like, oh that must feel crazy, and like it is, but, but the first, the initial, seeing them for the first few times is like the best feeling in the world, but still now it's like, I still love seeing it and I still point it at be like, there you go, there you go, um, and now we've basically just started, to so we just, the staff went to Parklife this weekend and just went and filmed, basically just went to Parklife just to film everyone in it. We put together reels for that, like a video, of, like Spotted. We started doing, a, like, a Spotted thing. It's like, if anyone sees someone in them, in that T-shirt, it's like, put Spotted and tell us where it is. And it's like, it's just all for the community. Do you know what I mean? Like, people seeing other people about it. It's like, brings a nice little touch to it. But I'm doing Glastonbury next week. I'm just going to, like, go around with a little video. and just like, did it last year, just going around with Glastonbury, like, video and everyone in it. Looked like a weirdo, like, because I've just got my... No one knows what I'm doing because they don't know that it's my brand. I'm just there with a camera, like filming random. I'll probably get punched at one point or accused
1: of being like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think I saw a few at Glastonbury last year, to be fair to you. Imagine the week after Glastonbury, your like sales or trading guys are like, we did well on the old discount codes over the weekend. And uh, he's been, he's been yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Given out about 500. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> your friends and family just don't go, go Got
1: too drunk and just, just had it written on his forehead. be <laughs> yeah, it.
2: on the
0: mic on the deck somewhere like...
2: <laughs> oh, incredible, man.
0: We haven't talked about Bound yet, right? And I would say, I would say like, I initially heard about you through Bound. And the reason why I heard about you wow, through yeah. Bound was because, um, you're going to laugh about this, but I was seeing... Kevin De Bruyne are in the stuff. I was seeing every other footballer in the entire world wearing it. I was seeing YouTubers wearing it. Cal Freezy is a guy that I've watched for years. He, was, he yeah. was wearing it. And like, I was like, what is this brand? I looked it up, found you from there. So like, explain to us. We haven't even talked about Brown yeah, yet. Where about, did it come from? Brown yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where did it come from? Because you yeah. were doing this thing, like you, well, you already had a business. So like it, it, Bound came after, right? It's a bit on the side. <laughs>
2: yeah, but so Bound came after. So basically Unique's just come up to 10 years old. And then Bound's just hit five years old. So where I kind of mentioned my missus before about her design thing, and her brand, like I was always looking to do – so like where I've worked with different designers and helped them build brands and help build brands but like not like obviously graphics – and illustrations and printed t-shirts it's like i kind of reached the age of oh, giving away my age now but i can't even remember five years ago 26 27 <laughs> um when i started bound i'd reached a mature age of where i was like i'm not I'm, i will always wear graphic t-shirts and love graphic t-shirts like don't get me wrong wear them forever but like i start my style started to develop in a more higher end where i start to be way more conscious like the fabrics and the fits and basically wanted to have like, when I wanted to do a brand, I wanted to have control over that fully. Um, so I was starting to look at not just wholesale and like blanks and printing t-shirts and like doing more decorational purpose stuff and design purpose stuff. I was like, right, I want to actually start creating like garments myself. And that would be my design process. Um, Cause like I said, I can't draw for shit. So, <laughs> I was never going to do it that way and i was never going to learn photoshop so yeah i was like starting to look into manufacturers and obviously my missus had worked with a few for, for so long she knew she was sort of like my route in and a bit of a hack like a quick way to learn it fast so she really helped me with like the first collection for balance. stuff i picked all the fabrics and like got a load of t-shirts and stuff and like measured the fits and found which ones i like the most and like Oh, I'd like this T-shirt, but the sleeves should be longer, it should be a bit wider on the body. i like, I really like this fabric weight. And then she got me a load of fabrics um, from her supplier and stuff like that and introduced me to them. And then, um, yeah, did the first collection. So I sort of like designed the first collection. Um, and then I remember the first samples coming. And bear in mind, i have done clothes for five years already and seen a hundred different designs come to fruition. I basically got those samples of them first nine products from Bound for Indoor and was just like, I've never been so excited by anything. Feeling the striped tees, I was like, oh my God, I was just like blown away that that, that's kind of what I'd done and that was where it was. It was just so perfect. Um, So yeah, Bound sort of like came about just purely from me going, right, I'm ready to do my like do my thing now that i'm just being full control of still knowing that like i was going to run unique but it was also cool because like unique needed a brand like bound on the store too so i kind of knew that it already had like a little bit of like a support blanket there um to invest the cash and like to give it a bit of a trial um but yeah then i was like i was kind of like quite i was kind of like loving like all Saints patterned shirts at the time. So, like, they were a big inspiration to the first long-sleeve shirts I did. And then the striped tees, like, I think I love, like, sort of, like, Uniqlo sort of, like, striped tees and, like, stussy, heavy, overshirts. So there was, like, a bit of streetwear in it, but then a bit of contemporary, which is why it's, like, now stated to bridge contemporary streetwear, which is, like, a bit of a tagline for it. Um, so, yeah, that's how it came about. Once again, just sort of, like, a bit of a mad thing was, like, yeah, I've got this idea, I'm sort of like ready now. Let's 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 give it a shot. So that's not like how that was, and I was lucky because like obviously I'd worked hard and unique for five years, and that was like a sustainable business now. So I'd learned a lot of mistakes already to go into that. Going right, I've already built a store on Shopify, made it look good, and I've got all these like got. I already had like the good routine with couriers and like I already I already, already had like a, a blueprint, if you like, that I could kind of make bound good earlier on and like had a good few channels and obviously unique had a good following that plug bound straight away on there so um yeah i had like a nice little easy well say easy but like a nice sort of like head start if you like to go into bound um and we did so many i think i did like sold like 200 of striped t-shirts in the first i sold out the striped t-shirts on like the first night mega because i've never done that kind of like those numbers before the striped t-shirts just went down unbelievable and they like people still message now i was like still got those striped t-shirts and they're still the exact same fit haven't faded like as good quality as when i first got them which is i was like that's perfect because that's exactly what i wanted to do
0: i love those striped tees. Those, they are. Good, they are. They? they are classic. And I have to say, like, was it was it a conscious decision? Because I, for me, I didn't know a lot of brands that were like whacking the logo, like almost like center body, you know, on the striped tees. Like that, for me, that's something that's relatively unique to Bound, right? Was that like a conscious decision to like go? We're gonna we're gonna get the brand name like front and center in that way. Do you know what?
2: It, it's a weird thing because it was like pocket print and branding was like traditionally the way and only place it could ever be right um and i started doing a few central prints on unique and it went down so well so maybe that was like the conscious decision to do the central logo for bound it just kind of made sense that like a lot of people like i loved it in in that position and that's kind of like my thought process with a lot of things it's like Kind of designed the clothes for me. And then if other people like them, then that's the bonus, you know? So I was like, that's where I like the logo position. That's where I'm going to stick it. And then, yeah, so it was just kind of like, I wasn't like, oh, maybe more people are like on the pockets. So I'll stick it there. I was like, nah, that's, that's that's where I think it works best. And yeah, I, did, I never really thought about it like that. And then, till actually, loads of people do it now. So yeah, it was, I think at the time it was a bit more niche. But
0: in t- in terms of the businesses, like, would you say, like, for for me it's always hard cuz like we've got a couple of businesses and we're like i feel they're very compartmentalized but with you you've got two clothing businesses so like well, how do you look at it like do you think like you know bound is part of unique or do you see them as two completely separate entities like how does it work they're so they're
2: so they're so, so different man it's, it's 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 actually sometimes i think about this and it's more when i'm talking about it do you realize how mentally different they are and i do as well like unique is a store Ultimately, and Bound as a brand,
1: yeah,
2: like they're different things. Like, unique is like a collective, it's like an umbrella of a real variety of different brands, whereas you bound is like its own individual sort of like piece. And they have they are very different, they might appeal and have a bit of an audience crossover in some ways. Like, for me, I'm not, like, I would wear both brands, and they've both got their own occasion. Um, And then some people that shop with Bound would probably never shop with Unique and vice versa. So it's so weird because they are so different and there's a lot of things that can cross over with them operationally and logistically. But then creatively, sometimes like, in fact, I said it to Alex today who who works with me, I was like, it's been really hard of recent switching from one to the other in the same day because they're just going on different trajectories at the moment in a great way, but they are like, their growth patterns are quite sort of like different and they require like a different, and like different sort of engineering process. Um, And like, they require, so it's weird, they require, it's like like having two different kids, like a girl and a boy maybe, or like two boys are completely different. It requires such different attention. Like bound, I can leave for two, three days, Sound it'll just mm-hmm. run its like thing. Unique. If I left it for a day, I'd come back and there'd be fucking <laughs> shit on the walls. Like it's just it's, it's it's they're just such different um yeah such different beasts. But it's that's so enjoyable. It keeps me on my toes. Yeah. You know? How
1: many staff do you have, and do they work like cross brand then? Like most of them.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's one brilliant thing that like I've been able to do because like we were both managing both brands in house at times. So, like first guy didn't packing orders bound and unique orders like bound like guided guy, the guy who does customer service out does bound customer service guy customer service with both brands um that's going to change from tomorrow but we've actually got a new start tomorrow as far as set up the desk but um and then that like we're slowly now as both growing their own direction like both probably bound and unique slightly i probably start to start have slightly different language with languages they're both very personal so you call people mate on emails and all that kind of like stuff but bound is sort of like going that more not more professional but like unique very very laid back and like we don't mind people telling telling people to bugger off if they want a free t-shirt so you know what i mean it's like we're not too like we're quite like on that cusp of a nice normal business which i quite like But bound obviously like when you're selling at a higher price point you obviously you look you have that sort of like a diff- slightly different language and we're targeting more guys with Bound as well so like the unique it' so heavily unisex that like you kind of cross, cross the languages over. Um, so yeah it's been great that the staff have like been able to sort of work on both brands and they they have fallen in love with both brands as well so like the marketing team now work on both brands um, like yeah we, we, all, we all do um, it's probably the more operational stuff We'll start to then split and, and have have its own, so like customer service will probably have one dedicated to each one and stuff like that. Um, but there's 10 of us now, including me, I think. It's getting bad because I'm like, I'm starting to say, like, for the new people that start, like, it's going to take me, it's going to start to take me a bit of time to figure out names. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, we've got a new one starting tomorrow, a new girl starting tomorrow. Um, so that'll be 11, and then someone else starting in a couple of weeks after 12 and then we're recruiting again. So I think like come, come the end of the year, we'll be up to like 13, 14 across the brands, but bound moved into a fulfillment center basically. So we overfilled our units. Like, so I went into one unit, which was 2000 square foot, filled that in three months Then got another one. So I had 5,000 square foot filled that in another three months and was like, I'm on fucking five-year leases here. Like, I can't keep doing this. Um, but they're in the same business park. and was like, shit, so we're trying to make the space manage. But the only thing we could do, because bound ba- was growing so fast, like, was put it in a fulfillment center and not have to worry about how much we order or how many orders we do. And it's going to be hellish, like, getting a 200-box delivery and it's going to take all day to process in the rain or the sun or whatever. It's like, it was really a big, important decision that Bound moved into it fulfillment centre, which is ultimately having like three or four staff, but just outsourced if you like, because they've got like a de is like a dedicated like team members in the fulfillment center that just look after Bound and like the orders get dispatched in like a matter of hours and the, de- the deliveries are processed in like less than twenty four hours. So everything is so smooth and seamless for Bound. Um that's like having staff that I don't have to deal with they're just managed by someone else you pay a fucking fortune for it but it's really good for the brand because it's like yeah it just takes you've got to see like when you when you've got when you're doing things in-house you've got a ceiling and that ceiling is space and it's not easy just to go it's like moving house you can't just go oh just move house in a week if it's you know if it's, if it's not working just like the things, these things take time and there's nothing worse than like basically we could hold and sell way more stock but we can't because we can't sure. fill it in the unit. So yeah, that was a massive, massive thing for us. Amazing.
1: And that first hire, that first person, who was that? That's quite a big moment for a business owner.
2: Yeah. Well, I class, I'd say that there's I kind of like had had two first hires in a way. Like the first one was like a girl who just basically started coming in and sewing some neck labels for me, and she was just like a student. And that was in my first like 150 square foot and, like a unit, one thing do say warehouse. It was like in was, was like a creative block of buildings in, in Manchester. So it was 150 square foot, nothing. Uh, we had one shelf of stock, probably about 200 t-shirts. So she was like sewing like the neck labels and stuff like that. Um, and then she started doing more and more stuff. she went from like four hours to 10 hours to 16 hours. And then she had done that for, like, a year. And then she was going on placement because she did fashion design at uni. So I was like, fuck it. Should I ask her to do placement? And she came and did placement with me. Um, And she did a year's placement. And she was brilliant. Uh, Claudia, she worked with me for ages. But she didn't even go through like, an interview process. It was just, like, I put an Instagram story up. It was like, I need a bit of help doing this. And so she just came in and was, like, sat next to me and just did it the first day. Do you know what I mean? And then ended up staying with me for like a year and a half and she was just absolutely brilliant. She's had a little kid now actually, she's only 22 so she finished her degree and then just had a kid. <laughs> but she was brilliant. So, but then Jordan, who's now like works in ops and sort of like warehouse ops and logistics and he's doing a bit of buying like everyone does a bit of everything which is a good thing about having a team of 10, like everyone crosses over the field. So Jordan is actually from WEM which is my home just five miles outside my hometown and i put once again put an instagram story up so like, i got this job and he came up he was like oh like i'm still living at home but like, i really want a new challenge like don't have any like don't have any um experience in fashion or like e-commerce or retail I was working for his parents at the time um and was just like but i love the brand like really really like it like bought loads of stuff and i was like 'We'll come and have a chat and then did rounds of interviews, but then spoke to him and still had the best video. And I was just like, "Did you fancy it? And he was like, yeah. And then he just packed up, moved, moved his whole life to Manchester, started a complete fresh. And then he's like mm-hmm. absolutely flying, like loving it now. Just getting on so well. And it's like, talk about like, it's just, yeah, just mad how he just sort of like packed up and just started a whole fresh, loves Manchester. Like, I think touch word, but like from the impression i get i think it was like the best decision he ever made just to like move out of a tiny village town
0: when you're looking for that first when you're looking at all of your hires to be fair is the passion for the brand like the key thing like is does that does that mean everything yeah for sure
2: well yeah it does and then like culture culture is the main thing like it was like independent culture is like the strap line of unique it's been talked about for the whole 10 years, like the independent community culture. So like culture now, it's like, you don't, when there's two of you, you don't have a culture, you don't have a company culture. When there's five of you, you don't really have a company culture. Like you're shaping it uh, in that time. And it's gone from two to 18, no, two, sorry, two to, two to the 10 in 18 months. So that's like, we've basically been just, shaping the culture in that moment but we've kind of got it now like we've kind of got it it's like as many modern business stars like young guys like i'm only 32 like we're all young guys like it's quite laid back but like don't take the piss kind of thing like get your work done and we'll, we'll enjoy it so i mean so recruiting one of the first things now because i was like i've never done interviews and then i'm interviewing people, people to, to work for me and i'm like the first couple I was like pretty shy at and I just went in and was like yeah like everything I do I'm like yeah I won't prep questions I'll just wing it and have a thingy but then actually it's so important to actually have a structure for when you're recruiting for roles and like actually to ask them questions and luckily we've not never had too many bad people I had a couple of rogue people so far that have come and gone um they just weren't right you know they just weren't right didn't have the right ethic weren't passionate about the business like and so you're right you have to recruit they have to be passionate about the business otherwise especially when it's a small business otherwise they're just not going to want to do their job properly they're not going to want to work hard you've got to work you can't just be like a fly on the wall in a small business like and a court company because you'll just get found out. Like you've gotta to want to be there, you've gotta believe in the project. So that's a key like thing now that every like my first ten minutes of an interview are basically trying to find out if they're the right culture fit you for You can't us. have
1: passengers, can you? Especially when the money, like you're seeing the money, aren't you? Like, and what it's being being spent on and you're like, damn, I could be using that for something else. It's like, that's my money that I've made and I want to- Yeah, it's literally,
2: I'm paying someone out yeah. of my pocket. Like, I mean, you just hand it over. So when you see someone there, like, dick about, <laughs> or not, like, not, not pulling their way, you're like, you know, that's 10 to get gin wasted. <laughs>
0: Would you want someone would you prefer to hire someone that had done 2 years at All Saints or <laughs> 2 years of their own brand That's not your two years <laughs> is it I'm not going to like that. It's no it's not I I, like, I think for me right I always find it interesting because I'm always <laughs> thinking about like hiring for us right like one day like we want to build our team as well and like we're always thinking like yeah. one who's that going to be two like what's their experience going to be and like what are they are going to be like and what sort of person are they like there's yeah. all these questions going through and then i'm sort of thinking now like would i want someone that was really entrepreneurial that had gone out and done their own thing and maybe it had been a success or maybe it hadn't but at least they'd had those skills or would i want someone that had and this is ultimately like what my parents told me was like go to uni get a degree and then go and find a really big brand like you did with, you know, with Virgin, do you know what I mean? And then, and then get a job like for you as like, cause you're there, you're hiring people as like loads of people right now. Like, what would you prefer? Like, would you prefer someone that went out and did their own thing? Or would you prefer if they had done a more traditional path?
2: It's a tough one.
0: Like I get a lot of
2: people apply who were already running a brand, like a smaller brand, which is difficult because I did that. Like there was a phase where three, four years then, where Unique wasn't really like anywhere near what it is now. It wasn't making too much money. And I was like, my parents were like, "Like, me think about maybe <laughs> a job. Was, like, a
1: proper job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: literally, it was. And I was like, fuck, probably make that maybe, probably right. It was when I first, it was actually when I was moving back to Manchester from Shrewsbury. So then obviously I had bills to pay. So I was like, well, I was right. I did have to pay the bills, some like in some ways. So I was like, I have to get a job. So I was like, right. So I was applying uh, for a job. That was actually after it was after a year and a half. Like yeah, a year and a half that I did this after starting uni. So I was like, right. So I was applying for jobs. I, was like, I got really close with Lab Bible when there was only about five or six of them at the time, and I remember applying for a job at Lab Bible, going for an interview with the owner who runs it and then he kind of was like well we want to to offer you a job like i kind of got this job as like not my right hand man but like i don't know someone who probably did a bit a little bit of everything i I think you're too good to just troll the internet for like stories and like social like content which is what it was then it's just like basically reviewing whatever people were writing in and stuff like that so he kind of offered me the job but didn't offer me the job and then I ended up going back in for another interview. And then the exact same thing happened. And I went back for another, like, chat. And then I was just like, it got to about a month or two in. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, I'm getting dicked about a little bit here. Like, I've been told I was, had a job and then I've been told that I'm too good for this. So I'll, they'll do something for me. This. And it just got to the point where I was like, I'll sack that off. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting through it. And they almost got a job at Betfred, based in Manchester, in their marketing dinghy. And then didn't get that. And then, I, so I was like, screw it. Like, I'll work in Top Man, in just in the men's store. Um, I actually applied for that. Like, but I said, yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll work in retail. Never done it before. I said, if I work in retail, I'll like, go for stores that I thought might benefit what I'm doing with Unique and say, so, well, do you know what? Because like, my plans, I was always going to do the, the full time role and still do Unique on the side, like, it never would have happened with Lad Bible, especially with what they've done. So it's almost like, a weird saving grace that like I'm so glad that they fucked me about and I didn't do that job I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now because I probably would have enjoyed that loads because great business to work for like what they've done is obviously insane so like I probably would have just stayed there I probably just gone "Oh, fuck me unique and just done that Um, but yeah so I ended up getting a job at Topman in the menswear like in the main street of the shops obviously not there anymore but loved that loved like it was like going to uni again like surrounded by 20 odd year olds like going out partying all the time um and but also seeing like learning about clothes at the same time and then making enough money so i ended up doing that for like a year and a year and a half and I had a I had a mint time doing that and then got to a point where i was like then I, when i first signed on for the first unit for unique after like three years I was like right start taking this a bit seriously now but then i didn't take it that. like I never took it that seriously until probably like five or six years when it was going. Because I was just like, loved living in Manchester. I was always partying. Like there was a big caveat of like the music parts of it that led me to a few good paths. And was like obviously going on tour with Scream and stuff like that. Like that was like a big part of what Unique allowed me to then do and like the freedom of things. So I was like, it was never about like, I'm going to build this to be the biggest thing. Like I was just loving doing it also having the freedom of my own life and like partying and socializing it's like i've always been so social like i was just enjoying meeting so many new people through doing it um but like i would say that yeah the first six seven years of well if yeah, had the first five years until balance started i would say i didn't take it too seriously so it's so much it's almost a half miracle that unique is now what it is but like it probably should have died like Years before, but I was still always doing the right thing. Like it was good that I could still enjoy life and not just dedicate my whole life to the business and it's still like progressively like but it's been a real slow burner, which is I'm so happy it's been a slow burner because it meant that like my early twenties, mid-20s, which were the most enjoyable period of my life, weren't dictated by business. And I'm so happy about that. Was there
1: ever a point where you were close to packing it in? And like, if you had advice to like anyone that's like a young business owner at the minute, and they're at that kind of low point where they're thinking about packing it in, what would your, what would your advice be?
2: You know what? Like I'm, I'm not a quitter, like I hate quitting. Sometimes I find it hard to just get up and do something. (laughs) But then like when I'm doing something like I don't like quitting, um like i worked ridiculously hard like too hard at, at some point so i should just learn when to just say that's 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 enough so like there wasn't a point where i was like apart from that what i've talked about i was like like okay, i should probably get a job but it was never i'm gonna get a job to stop doing that like as soon as i get a job i'll stop doing that it was always a job it was always like no nah, i'm gonna support me still doing that there was never there's never been a point where i thought about packing it in which is quite lucky like because I've never ever got to the point where I feel insecure about it or second thought my own ability or the project or what it was, which is kind of a good thing and probably a reason why it's got to where you've got to kind of like maintain belief, like throughout the whole period and perseverance. Like that's what one thing is people, people ask me like one thing about like sticking like any word of advice on doing it. It's like perseverance is the most, difficult thing, some, it comes to some people naturally, it comes to some people that like, some people second guess everything. So it's like, you've just got to really believe in it and give it enough time. Like people think that a year, people do it for a year and go, well, I've done it for a year. Like that isn't enough time. Like like I said, three years for me before I was doing it full time. Like that's that's a long, long, long time. And now for me, three years, it's like, feels like 10. But like at the time I was kind of doing so many other, and like, I didn't, it wasn't a be all and end all for me. I was still, I was like, as long as I'm making enough money to like have a good life, like living, like still go out and get pissed off the, <laughs> yeah. of the weekend. I was, ha- like, I was, ha- I was happy. Um, was there,
0: was there a moment where you were like, this isn't, it's like, this is a thing. Like this is like an actual business.
2: Yeah. There, there's, there's, there's loads of moments like that actually there's loads of moments. It's not just one moment that I was like, oh, that's one turning point. There's been loads of little turning points. Like when we bought Bass back, which was a brand that I loved before. Uh, well, when starting Unique, so like Unique and Bass, like he was an independent guy from yeah, brand, a brand designer called Dan doing it in Loughborough. And I loved that sort of brand. And then he stopped it for two years. And then I approached him and was like, what about reviving it under Unique? Because he was working in London as a like, Nine to five designer. Well, we rammed, so I was like, I'll take all the work, but like, like, you've got the design, it's just there. And we brought that back. I think we did like a run of like 30 t shirts of three different designs. So we did 90 t shirts, sold them all out in an hour, less than an hour. And I was like, that was, I was still running in my flat at that point. So, like, it was a little callax against my wall. And I was like, and I went to play football. And then after 60 minutes of playing football came back, I was like, looked at the, all the notifications on my phone. I was like, holy shit. Like, wow. Like, that was the most i have done. So that was a turning point. And Scream, first one of Scream, 30 t-shirts gone in 60 seconds. I was like, that was another turning point. Um, and then, like, the bound, obviously the, the first bound release. But then, like, there, yeah, every bound release feels like it's a new. There were so many, like... It feels like a new cog just turning, and it's like, yeah, this is now a, the next level. Like it's like leveling up on a game of Mario or whatever. You just sort of, it's a thousand levels, but you just keep doing one each time, and it changes very slightly. So, yeah, I mean, if there was a yeah, there's so many little turning points like that that I remember that I can't be like, oh yeah, this is a this is this is this is a real business now. I've never really taken that. Maybe more than only the last year, I would say, like, probably reaching eight staff. And actually, for me, mentally becoming a boss is when I've gone, oh, yeah, this is a proper business. Because now I'm a boss and, like, people's livelihoods and, like, depend on me. So, like, that makes me feel like, oh, this is a bit more of a big deal, you know.
1: Love it. I've got to ask, being a bit of a Scream fan, what's your your relationship with Scream then?
2: I love him. He's, we've known each other for like six years longer than that man. He had the first ever set of like pieces in the first year. So yeah, I've known him for like nine years or whatever. Now it's crazy. Wow. Um, and he was like the first DJ that just didn't want to just take free stuff and be like, give nothing back. He was the first one. He was like, yeah, don't just send it to my manager or like, don't send it to me, my address, like just ship it here. He was like, yeah, come, here's my number, come give him me at the show. And I was like, wow. fucking hell, that's cool I as hell. Imagine. I met him and he was like, obviously got me guest this for where I was, but it was, 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 for me at the time, I was like, it's unbelievable, we we'll get to go for mm-hmm. free, like, yeah, had a beer yeah. backstage with him, and was like, and then just slowly but surely, we just got on really, really well, we're like, quite, like, I think quite chatty characters, so like, <laughs> you can have a conversation about fucking anything, and he's, one out of a guy like he's got ridiculous amount of energy. He makes me feel tired, like, <laughs> yeah. um, but he's just mint. Like he he just looks out for people like me, DJ brands like, which just unintentionally, without trying to get anything back. Like don't get me wrong, he's had a fair share of free clothes, but he's not without <laughs> what he's given me back. Like guest this twenty show, like festival, whatever. Um, but yeah, he's just a mental but lovely guy. Yeah, proper sound.
1: Wow. That's beautiful.
0: I want to talk about because, like, there's so many celebrities that have, like, I, I presume there's, like, loads of celebrities that have just placed orders, like, naturally, right? Because I see that happen all the time.
2: Yeah. There'll be fucking loads that I don't know about as well, which is the mental thing. So, like, the Kevin De Bruyne thing, I think, was like, we would, like, try to search his name and it was like, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne has not, not bought some stuff under his name. <laughs> yeah. we were, like, oh, where's the link? Where's the link? Where's the root of this? Yeah. And I think it was like his missus his best mate or something that had bought it. And like, we would have never have known but he wore that full fit going to the World Cup and they had a photographer there. And I remember waking up and someone had sent me on Twitter and like DM'd it me, a big city fan that I used to work with ages ago in Tottenham. And he DM'd me, he was like, this yours. And it wasn't a fully brand, it was like the more minimal, minimal branded stuff of so like no front logo. The logo's on the team, it's like, a really high quality piece where we bake uh, perfect, per- purposely like minimize the branding, so it's on the sleeves, so it's on quite a road position, but could sleep, could see it. And Luke, when you see your own product, you know it straight away. And I was just like, Oh my fucking god, was the full fit, and that blew me away because it's like I'm a Liverpool fan, so I hate him, but yeah, <laughs> also, it's absolutely mint. I was like, That's just as good as it gets, so that just for me felt mint. And then we've had like in the same week that, well, James Madison wore that polo, he bought the stuff. So that was under his name. And Victor Lindelof bought something the day before. So I was like, "What's going on here?" There's like, and they bought it under their name, so we could obviously spot them.
1: Yeah. And
2: I was like, "But well, that's a weird thing." Like, right. and then basically, I think there was a link of like a VIP shopper really like bound and he was like maybe sending the link around a bit, which was I thought, oh, that probably makes sense a little bit." Um. But then, like, yeah, loads of people have just... We've seen loads of people come in. Um, loads of people come in sort of like like that, and that's how the hell Matthew Helders thing came about because I was packing the orders at the time. It was only me running band. I was still packing every order. Went on Shopify, and, like, Matthew Helders, I was like, fucking can't be, can it? What? Cannot be. Um, Favourite band ever. I've listened to them for 20 years, you know what I mean? Like, growing up with them was like literally top of spotify every year for however many years i was like couldn't got any better for me that I'd seen that and was like did all the cross checks followed on instagram that was it that was the start of something magic which is just all because he bought some stuff and i saw it so it's like
0: and what happened yeah. did you just reach out to him
2: i the mentalist story with the hell thing of how organic and crazy it is there's like these day and age, you've got like loads of agencies that do brand partnerships. So they're like try and piece together a brand and an individual, and just go, "Yeah, do you work together?" There you go, you two fucking meet like a speed dating thing. Um, there's just that's just engineered bullshit. Like at which I kind of hate because you can spot it from a mile yeah. away. Um, but yeah, I messaged him in 2019 because I shoot film as well, so 35mm film as well, so film camera. And he like his, like I followed him for ages. He was basically just posting um, photo- his photography works, which, which I absolutely loved. But it wasn't like fashion photography. It was more like things he sees. So I just messaged him. was like, look, if you ever wanted to shoot any fashion photography, like I'm a massive fan or like if you ever wanted to do anything like, or wanted any pieces, like, let me know. So now in 2019, like six months after I started Bound, He obviously never saw it. He probably wouldn't tell me that now, but like, yeah, he obviously never saw the messages because he's, you know, thousands of DMs. And then he bought the stuff, got the package, put something on Instagram. And obviously when he's put that in Instagram and tagged me, he's accepted my message request from three years earlier, two years earlier and replied to it without realizing. And he was like, did you just message me really fast? And I was like, Mate, I messaged him in 2019. <laughs> and I was like, and he was like, "Ah, oh, so we, that was like an instant icebreaker of like we were having a bit of a laugh." I was like, "Mate, like look, still, still feel the same now. Like, but love to." He was like, "Yeah, I I'm like I'm down for it. Love the stuff. Like, love everything I got." And then I was like, "Fuck, I'm not prepared for this conversation." <laughs> um, and sort of went away and like kept sending him some bits and like we were chatting just naturally anyway, just about dinner bits. And then I was like, right, it's so about six months in. I was like, right, this is my proposal. Like, do you want to do this? This is how I envision it. Like, I really want to capture a bit of you. And I was like, for me, it was like, when we came down to talk about the commercials, like, yeah, it's not about the money for me. This, he was like, yeah, it's not about the money. So it's like, it's just live. <laughs> it. It was most like, <laughs> natural, organic, like perfect way of doing it from the start, like constantly through. We just basically was like, he loved the clothes. I love what he was doing came together and just made sense that we did what we did. So yeah, it was just, I'm I'm not like, for me, I'll never top that. And I think I've basically sort of like locked the door and shut the door on any bound and individual, especially bound and like probably musical collaborations for the moment. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't peak that. I went in at the very top (laughs) But for me and, like, what i do doing, like, luckily, like, yeah, we've got a really good relationship and watched them everywhere in the world now. Like, we watched them on the night that we got engaged in Tokyo. Like, they were playing in, in Japan when we were over there, like, fortunately. So, yeah, it's been, like, a major part of, like, my life from when I was, like, 12, 13 to now being, like, a monumental part of my life and, like, career, which is just – you couldn't write it and it's still to this – like, I'll, I'll probably look back at it in 10 years' time and I'm at, went with my brother to the gig on Saturday and he was just like, this is fucking mental. Like, I can't believe it. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I'll probably get, get to that point. In te- like when you're in the moment, you've got it. You have to believe it because you're doing it, you know, but like in 10 years time, I'll probably look back and go, shit, did I really do that? Like when there when there's documentaries about the Arctic monkeys and I'll probably be on album 10 and be the biggest band that there's probably ever been in this country. I'll be like, fuck, I did did that. So, yeah it's, it's just it's, it's madness really
0: i was going to ask you like was there anyone else uh that you'd like to collab with and you just said like this is the pinnacle uh, it's just so funny so, isn't
2: it it won't rule out collaborations completely because like there's brands that i love that is like that would open loads of things to me so like i'd love to do a Bound clark's collaboration Bound new balance mm-hmm. um uh there's loads of like heritage brands that i've worn on. like that even like crossing brands so like, like i can talk about lacoste heavily but of what i wore when i was a kid like a bound the cost collab for me would be like wow, <laughs> oh, that would be just like that would be of a similar remit of like but in a different sort of field do you know what i mean
0: yeah is that is that possible like getting a huge brand like that because i just feel like like some of those those brands they're like unwieldy do you know what i mean like there's like you're going to be dealing mm-hmm. with like f- like t- like ten thousand people in this business like as as like a, a small business, how are you even like going about? Like, obviously, this hasn't happened, but if it was to happen, how would it? How would it? Yeah,
2: yeah. There's well, there's a couple of collabs on the burner for Unique at the moment. I wish I could talk about. I don't want to mention it, mainly because in case it probably might, won't happen. When we chat again in the future, it will still not happen. I might mention it, but we're chatting some big wigs that, that make sense for Unique for the direction. But that is like, it's taken, we've been talking for like a year because there's just so many areas and like loops and fucking cycles. Whereas with me and Matt, was like, should we do this? Yeah. We even have to sign card. We didn't have to do anything. We just like, we went, should we do this? Yeah. So do you like this? Yeah. Sam. How should we change this? Should we do this for shoot. Yeah. So, but whereas then you've got to like get it signed off by hundreds of people, which is, I can't be asked about, you know, I just kind of like, I love working with independents for sure, and that's why like it makes so much sense because it's such an easier thing to do. Like everything's level playing field. Like you can just have proper proper conversations without any bollocks. But like, yeah, how it would look with doing the cost, God, um, it would be amazing. It'd be, it'd be worth it though. You have to just look at it. Like it, it would just it'd just be worth it. Like I don't know how it works. Like who manufacturers you'd use, or like how you'd work it with that. Like depends. I guess it depends on like the type of clothes that you that you're making. Like Clarks I would envision like I've already got like the designs in my head of how I would want a bound clerks to look. Um and obviously they go off, we'll go away and make it, like be some such such cool like things to do with that. But yeah, hopefully like I think Bound probably gets at stage like we, we chat to clerks a bit and like they send us shoes for shoots and stuff like that. So hopefully we're on the radars enough that they would be like that yeah, we're kind of kind of fit the build. So fingers crossed, so
0: we're putting that into Ether now. Bound yeah. Clark's collab. Bound it's going to have yeah. Bound Lacoste. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah but- <laughs> oh, when you start getting down to fucking soho house or something. Don't yeah, I that's know. it.
0: That is it. That yeah. that is the way that all of the deals are done. But then that means you have to come <laughs> to London, and you hate coming to London.
2: <laughs> I, put, I put him on in Manchester, apparently. But I don't know. It's like I'm not like that at all. Which is like the, the funny thing. Like the funny thing about it. Like that's why it's so mad that the kind of like the collaborations have come about because I'm not like a. I'll ask the question, but like, I'll ask the question if I know it's right. I wouldn't just be like, I'm not one to be like, sort of like buzzing around networking, like sucking up to like big brand people just to like try and get a way in. Like if it stumbles across the doorstep, like I'll sweep it in. You know what I mean? That's like, that's how it kind of works for me. It's that so like, that's why it's kind of been lucky, but yeah, I'm not like one of those really out there sort of like CEOs, if you like. That like a lot of brands, you kind of you kind of get that now, um, which works for them because like they're building sort of like something that's how that's how so like they connect with other people and sort of celebs and influencers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm not I'm not really like that that much. Really, it's just like if I end up chatting to someone and then get on with them, well, it's like. It's more organic relationships, just like when you meet any normal, or like new mate really. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Yeah. Don't let it become too big then, mate. I feel like you're not born <laughs> to work in a big corporation. <laughs> so I think maybe 50 staff and you'll be like, oh,
2: I've lost no, the I fun s- in
1: this a little bit, maybe. I,
2: I, I probably swear too much. <laughs> it's too much. What, HR's, HR door will be bruised. <laughs> so yeah,
1: it's what a few like owners find when the business starts to become like unwieldy and not like small um, startup anymore. Some of them lose the love for it. The co-founder of Jim Shark, Gym Shark yeah. uh, Lewis, lost the love for it when it became like a big corporation. So it does happen, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I can for sure. that and I can feel myself now already getting waves of that. Like I couldn't sit here and say, in honesty, like now it look does look all like bells and whistles and yeah. songs and dancing. Like, but eighty percent of the time I spend doing shit that. I don't enjoy doing. Yeah. I like stress about shit. I like worry about staff. Like it's, it's not, you never always doing the shit that you enjoy doing anyway. You've got to do accounts. You've got to do <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: all that bollocks. And like, it's, you know, you never always enjoy it. But now it's like, I can have real tough days and weeks. Like where I'm like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't enjoyable because I'm not born or not. I'd like to think I'm adjusting more, to, to, to managing a bigger thing um, and I was actually speaking to one of the couriers today because we basically had like 10 grams worth of orders go missing and we are kind of joking Jeez. about that, like, what would we have done if they got found in the end, they got given to the wrong courier but we were like, if we didn't find them, like, where would we be now and he was like, well I wouldn't be sat here for starts <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, I, mean, I was just saying that like, you get to the point where you kind of like, have to write like, write off 2-3k sometimes without even just, you can't think about it so, like, I was going camping, and at half four on that Friday, was, like, got told about the 10K missing orders. And I was about to go to a 30th party camping, and I was, like, I actually managed to switch off yeah. from it and just go, Do you know what? Like, I'll worry about it on Monday, which is two years ago, I'd have been, like, just wouldn't have enjoyed it. I'd have been sweating. I'd have been t- on my phone all the time, like, texting, like, come on, we've got to be able to fix it. Like, trying to do everything to, but actually it got to the point where I was like, there was no leads. So I was just like, well, we just have to wait. Do you know what I mean? And I, I was actually quite proud of myself at that time, just for taking a bit of a step back and then like, you know, don't worry about it too much. Like it will figure itself out, which it did. So like you go through so many bumps that like you start to adjust. And I just hope that I'm in that phase now where I'm like, okay, the more staff, like, in a year's time, like, I've learned, I'm in that learning curve, because it is all, all the learning curve, and I say, I'm completely transparent with the staff, like, when I'm on the Monday morning meeting, like, I'm learning how to do this, so, like, you have to bear with me if I don't do it right at certain points, like, you can tell me, like, I've never managed a team before, and now I'm managing, like, everyone, it's, like, I'm sole responsibility, do you know what I mean? So, like, I think, just as long as you, and I tell this to them all the time, like, as long as you communicate, like, completely openly and transparently, which is what we try to do as a business to our customers externally as well. It's, I think that's just like, yeah, you you, you learn from that, which I think is the main thing. So hopefully like in a year's time, I'll be like, I am used to it and don't have to step away from it. I would hate that. But like it is in the back of my mind, where I'm thinking like, so Similarly to what Ben did from Gymshark, like take a step back and go, I can probably hire someone to do this part of the business in a senior role better. So like, managing the staff and because like i'm quite matey with all the staff but then that becomes difficult because when you want to give them a fucking bollocking <laughs> which everyone has to have at some point like it's hard like i still find that really awkward like don't like doing it but I'm kind of better at it now but like the first couple was so so hard to do and now i'm like yeah i can tell someone to you being an idiot <laughs> a bit more freely but yeah I think many businesses, business owners say all these cliches but because they kind of actually kind of make sense. But like it is just the I feel like now it's, it's the start of a new journey. I kind of split the journey up into like four different segments. But yeah, it's been a journey. But I think it's like kind of only just starting a little bit.
1: So nice.
2: Yeah, it's
1: a weird one. Well, don't hit all of your pinnacles, mate. You're too early in your career because that, <laughs> that would be my advice. So don't do the Lacoste deal next week, all
2: right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's yeah, already that's... done it. He's already done it. Yeah. It's, it the contract's aside size. You just can't it's say done. Anything. It's just yeah. got to be. Yeah. Really got to get
2: the in it and it'll be sweet.
1: <laughs> what are you best and worst at in your businesses in terms of roles?
2: Oh, I'd say best at um, like marketing and just coming up with mad little ideas um, pretty quickly and just saying, yeah, let's do them And then worst at actually like, well, procrastinating the jobs that really, really need doing that are dead boring.
0: Right. Next one. What has been, because you've gone all over the world with your shoes what's been your favourite shoot location ever oh
2: that's a tough question because they've all been absolutely class I mean LA with helders was wicked we had such a good time just generally just didn't feel like work or a shoot we just had a bit of a holiday and just yeah had an absolute class time so that's definitely going to be it for like a shoot for sure but I love Malta, and we managed to get that Rolls Royce for like 300 euros or something all day, and it was crazy. I mean, it's like the Rolls Royce in that shoot is like, oh my days. So we were just getting driven around by this guy, and people were like bibbing at us because they thought we were celebrities, and like we are just waving in the car. It was just this, like that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. So, Malta, I loved, yeah. Um, but they've all been like, it's hard to pick, hard to pick. They've all been classed, they've all been class. love Palermo love Copenhagen yeah just all me because it's
0: like sorry <laughs> how many of those have you been the model for <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I, I, I think that's a lie, mate because I've definitely seen the pictures yeah, of absolutely. you in those locations
2: yeah you might see, no, it's funny there's like I've got this really bad habit of being in the background of shots <laughs> and <laughs> in like background. like waving at the background like when I go in and do like some fluffing of the fluffing of the <laughs> You know, like when the brand owners trying to look important yeah. on the shoots, so they're going to like, fluff the collar a little bit. Now nah, I'll go and I'll go and do that, um, but nah, I've not. There might be a few shots where I'm like, I'm like strictly a fair. But if I'm ever wearing something and they take a photo of me, I'm like, cut my <laughs> fucking <head> off. <laughs> <laughs> I was face for like, hey, I didn't put my face in front of the brand for like six, seven years. You know, like anything, podcast, anything.
0: So we've um spoken to loads of brand owners recently where they have yeah. like they are the face of the brand they kind of have to in this modern generation because they have to like they don't have the marketing budget they kind of have to like do the organic content create shows create content off their own back D- now do you have to be the face of a brand and like do you feel like if you were starting again like you'd you'd have to be
2: <sighs> I I I think you can. I don't, I don't think you have to be the face of a brand now nah, I think be, like ultimately the the quality of the product as a talking and and the marketing and the story and the vision. And you can do that without having to put your face in front of it, Um, which is what I like to think we do and hope to think we do. I've never been the face of the brand like now and I never will be. We're becoming more personal and becoming more personable as I guess I've got more of a confidence when I've got a few people behind me. Um, But like, I like to tell the story, like the vision of where we shoot things for bound and stuff like that, and like where the, my design inspiration comes to it, but without talking to it in front of a camera, actually doing it in the vision. But like the modern brands basically, like it's like someone who can build a brand and has that experience or has that like expertise and then an influencer put in front of them, which is that is like how most modern e-commerce and retail businesses, exist now that is like the perfect formula and it fucking works like don't get me wrong like there's some amazing brands that do that um and i know some amazing brands that have have had huge success in doing that um and then there is like yeah not the modern streetwear brands where it's like the ceo is at the forefront of the business and it brings that level of like arrogance and like personality and people buy into people so i can see why it works it's just not the way that i do things.
1: What is the what has been the biggest waste of money in your business career?
2: Oh god, that's a great question. But when I first started bound, if you ever remember, there was a uh, a showcase like called Jacket Required, where like all the buyers would go and you'd showcase your collection. It was basically like a trade show type thing. Did that, and it cost me like two and a half grand and I got fuck all from that. I was <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I got free drink. I was like, it comes to the end of it, and it was a free bar for like the traders, and I was like, I ain't getting anything back from this, so I'm just going to rinse all the fucking, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like I said before, like, you kind of, as you get bigger, you just have to get to the stage where you got right off a couple of grand, without I would have to, have to yeah. think about it, because curry is a shit, and, manufacturers can be shit so yeah loads of things
0: right last one this has been so good i've really enjoyed this so um what is the favorite piece that you've ever created
2: oh Oh. could say the disco only one because that's what pays the wages but (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh man it's got to be a bound piece and i'm now like oh that's a real on the spot because there's so many. I can't even tell you. I think we must have done like over five hundred different styles of garments now. Easy. So it's just like my missus is looking at me now. So she's thinking, pick an item that she designed. what is What is it? It's probably one of the first knit polos. Yeah, the first knit. So the reese knit polo when that first came, which is like cream collared with like the greeny sort of like chevron pattern through it the bound that was the first knitwear bound piece and one of our one of my missus's like mum's family friends is a pattern designer she did the pattern for me after i like i found it and like saw a similar pattern like an old film and was like loved it and then she designed it and then that was the first knitwear piece so like knitwear and woven is like a completely different ball game you're like creating a whole new like knitwear's just yeah it's just a crazy different level of production when that first came i was just like oh my god i've worn i've definitely worn that piece the most so yeah the iris knit polo by bound
1: love that amazing we'll flash a picture up yeah, yeah. there'll
2: be pictures all the way through one of, they're, they're, one of me somewhere don't find one of me yeah.
0: we'll, <laughs> mate we'll mate, the mate you mate you're across all of this content you've just got to do that i've seen you i've got your instagram you're going across every piece of content and you i'm not taking that you're not a model because i've seen yeah. you in the pieces. you're just gonna have to accept that you are <laughs>
2: yeah no, it's been class i really enjoyed it, guys it's nice because i don't do this like this is probably the first one i've done this for like i don't know three years or something so i never get to like open my brain up and talk about things like that's why I wanted to do it without reading off a sheet. Cause I was like, I never do it. So apart from chatting to mates in the pub and they're sick about hearing about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I to talk to someone who's actually interested in what I've got to say in a bit of the stories. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like things that I don't think about day to day or like things that I don't talk about, like all those little stories about Bible and stuff like that that are true that just don't come across my brain unless someone asks me so yeah it's been it's been real nice
0: no we're, we're so there. so we're grateful there. mate honestly like no, it's nice.
2: yeah, yeah i like what you guys are doing so yeah it's uh yeah it's been a pleasure oh no oh, it's absolutely brilliant kind of yeah.
0: yeah mate well like we awesome. were just saying we were just saying like we'll have to do part two one day because <laughs> yeah. like yeah. i've We've got really a million yeah and i've got a million other questions that i yeah, one day I'd we'll to
2: look at the time a little bit top right Oh, we've not even. I've not even talked about any, any, any anything really yet. We were just watching <laughs> off. But no, hundred percent, we'll do a part two. I think. I think even in a year's time, like like I said, going from two to eight, two to ten, in eighteen months. Like even in a year's time, I think we'll be in a crazy different thing. And then who knows? Maybe that Lacoste collab will, have, will be in the woodworks or something. Or there'll be something for sure. Like there's so much mad stuff happening, mate. Like week in, week out we're actually doing like a really cool series. I didn't mention it to be fair, cause it's not been mentioned too much at the moment. We're doing a really cool series called bound by passion. And it's basically like where we're doing like a mini documentary series. It'll be out this summer. So it'll be out relatively soon. It's a mini documentary series on all the people that have like all creatives across different industries that have been affiliated by affiliated with bound. So like customers, so like, we done a band called the Lavens this yesterday. They're like a really yeah. good indie band from Wigan. They love the stuff and bought loads of stuff. We're doing Ollie Ryder, who's Sean Ryder's son from Happy Mondays. He's like a does his own club nights in Manchester. We're doing What Willie Cook on Saturday, who's the mob kitchen DJ. Nice. Uh, not Mod mob kitchen DJ? Mob kitchen chef. <laughs> and yeah, so he's like he loved he was a bound customer. So we've had all the, all those like people we were talking about that been bound customers who were like I was like, we've got a pretty cool, good like pool of talent and creators here, and they're all, but they're all people who have similar to like what I've done, turned like a passion into like a for- and forged it into a career. So there's a bit of a caveat to it. So it's going to be like a really good little documentary series. So keep your eyes on that. That that'll be out in the next. Yeah, we're going to start drip feeding them like every month. So God knows where we'll be in a year's time and who we might have done that with. Um,
1: well, again, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for this. We've really enjoyed it. See you later, mate. Thanks, Take mate. care. Thanks. Bye bye.